Welcome back to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very happy to be joined by Lauren Buckman, the president of the Art Center College uh, of Design in the Los Angeles area. He's also the host of a really interesting podcast called uh, Change Lab. And uh, I've been binging a little bit on Lauren's work. So I feel like uh, I know who I'm I'm, I'm going to be talking to you right now, but Lauren, I'd, I'd love to to welcome you to Trending in Education. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. And uh, when we kick off the show, we typically like to understand our guest's origin story, a little nod to Joseph Campbell, you know, the, the hero's quest, the hero's tale, and uh, would love to get your perspective on uh, what's gotten you to this point in your career, and uh, particularly if we're, you're on a, a podcast where we talk a lot about learning and the future try to help catch us up to where you are so that we can look ahead a little bit with you. Sure. I think relevant to this uh, conversation, I'm actually a theater guy by training and education, did the PhD program at Stanford University in, in the drama department. And that program was interesting and relevant to what I'm doing now in the sense that it was uh, a program committed to educating the scholar directors so that you would have both a practical and applied education as a director mm -hmm. of theater, mm -hmm. as well as a scholarly exploration of literature and critical theory, et cetera. So it was ultimately a PhD program, so it was uh, ultimately had a, to have your academic chops, but it was, it, it was very directly informed by a, a, a more practical, applied life in the theater. So that yeah. you, can, you can even extrapolate to what I'm doing now at a college like Art Center. It, it the life of the mind in. and the life in the studio are mutually nourishing endeavors and important. Uh, absolutely. And just to jump in too, there's a Shakespearean element here, if I was uh, prepping you, you, uh, correctly. You are correct about that. Yeah, I, I did end up focusing on Shakespeare, wrote a book on uh, filmic adaptations of Shakespeare's plays. Mm -hmm back in the 90s when I was on the faculty of the University of California, Berkeley, mm. um, and I spent 10 years there. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, so I directed there and I taught there mm. and obviously did some writing and scholarship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, like m the, the arc of my career, I had to give up a long time ago predicting where it was going to go. Mm. I did prepare to be a professor, but then, of course, after 10 years, I was uh, recruited to be the provost at the California College of Arts in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. And uh, very shortly after I arrived there, the president who had hired me left and the board appointed me. I was the provost and the board appointed me an interim president. Mm. And it was uh, a, a complete real accident, a good kind of deep end learner. So I was thrown in and I yeah. kind of had to figure it out. But I will say that, and I continue to say today that um, being trained as a theater director is without question the greatest kind of preparation <laughs> one can have to be a college president. It is I bet, yeah. very much the same work. Um, right. It draws from, uh, on, yeah, from me the same kind of creative sensibility. Mm -hmm. um, it's about working with communities and people and helping them thrive in the in most optimal ways so that yeah. they are actually contributing and ultimately taking it to its most important moments. I imagine there's a performative element. The play that you're directing, you have to be present in the way that an actor or a great uh, director needs to be an effective president of a, particularly a creative university. Because we, that's what I think we wanted to dive into a little more with you is the, the really career in design and then career in uh, creative practice uh, is really, I don't, I don't think I've ever had someone on the show with the depth of experience that, that you have in that space. So you had me at Shakespeare, but, uh, but, 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 but I jumped in. I, I apologize. We're mid-story. Please continue. 
So the creativity of being a theater director actually got transferred to being a college president at CCA mm. for seven years. And then mm. at, I did a few other things and then did some work at a wonderful humanistic psychology school called Saybrook. I was there for three years and then mm. recruited to Art Center mm. uh, over the last 11 years. Our Art Center College of Design, amazing school and absolutely the peak of my professional life. Interesting. Kind of, the brief stint in the, the humanistic psychology space is also something that does pique my interest. Uh, so you had me at you had me at Shakespeare, and now the <laughs> the the humanistic psychology. Now I think a lot of it has been renamed as positive psychology. Uh, there's a, right, there's a, there's a program correct. out of uh, University of Pennsylvania that's really fantastic in that space. But uh, but I could see that connecting very closely to the creative arts and the need to almost inspire and the leadership part of 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 the your professional life. You're absolutely right. The connections with Saybrook were interesting. One is that, uh, that it was not about human deficit but about human thriving that you yes. take from fundamentally from the humanistic tradition. Mm -hmm. Second of all, though, there was a really wonderful relationship between scholarship and practice, but in mm -hmm. the realm of psychology, scholarship yep. and practice that was essential to my own education as a mm -hmm. theater guy. Mm -hmm. And then also as uh, the president of Art Center, which really does understand the importance of those two elements and how yeah. they nourish one another, the mm -hmm. life, life in the studio and life in the library or life yeah. in mind and life with the, in the making process. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's deep stuff, but I expect nothing less from the president of the, the art center college of design, which truth be told as a long Island kid growing up uh, who went to, to college on the East coast and worked in New York my whole life. I, I didn't really have a lot of familiarity with uh, the art center uh, college of design out in LA, but as I was prepping uh, it's a pretty uh, storied history and I'd love it if uh, maybe you could round that out a little bit for our listeners. Sure. Happily. It's a fully accredited art design school. We have about 2,200 students. We offer 11 undergraduate degrees, both the BFA degree and the Bachelor of Science degree, depending on the focus of the major. We also have seven graduate programs as well. So we offer both a Master of Science and a MFA programs in, mm -hmm. in there. Interestingly, Art Center has been a leader of this, though a lot of institutions have caught up. Um, and this is way before my time, but it's always been unapologetically about a great education that prepares people for a professional life. And it's yep. never wanted to hide that. It's never wanted to uh, duck from that. It's always been a really important part of, of what the school has been about and mm -hmm. have always had a very close connection with industry. It's a claim to fame, you, you, you may know, is though it does a lot of things now very well, but its claim to fame is uh, tr transportation design and particularly automobile design. Mm. And the statistic is that 50% of all cars in the world, so pause there, the world wow. are designed by Art Center graduates. Wow. So My you goodness. look around and you, for uh, all the major automobile companies around the world, and you will typically either see the head of design being an Art Center graduate, or uh, certainly a lot of people within that division of the automobile company being from Art Center. So it's wow. been, had a very significant influence that way. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting because coming out of the, the corporate world lately, there's a lot of talk about concept cars and taking some of those sort of visionary conceptions of the future uh, is drawn from the creativity of the, the automotive industry and car shows and like the idea that innovation can happen when you're untethered by the, the need to actually mass develop something. But uh, that's fascinating. What's actually involved in uh, that particular program? What kind of degree would someone graduate with if they wanted to get into uh, sort of next generation car design? 
So it would be a Bachelor of Science in Transportation Design and Arts. That would be the formal degree. And we also have a Master's of Science in, in, in Transportation as well. And that program, interestingly, it actually focuses on transportation systems, which is yes. a hugely important issue today, how we are dealing with our cities, the migration back to the city from the summer, yeah. and how important the design sensibility is to understanding human interaction and how our yeah. urban environments operate. And yes. it can't only be from, from a, a technical perspective, it also has to be a creative design perspective too that allows mm -hmm. for the kind of interaction and humans thriving that, yeah. that, that cities need to stimulate. And exactly. our students are deeply involved in that and the transportation piece becomes a very, very important. How people get yeah. issues of mobility, how people get from place to place, issues mm -hmm. of sustainability, issues of climate change, issues of public transportation versus individual transportation, yeah. all that's going on with Uber, all that's, you know, right. with, with, within which shared transportation vehicles, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it's all a very complicated, very fascinating area of study and, yeah. of and of design. And Art Center, with its history of transportation design, can move into the future in all kinds of exciting ways by focusing yeah. On that, yeah. and then good job by us. We've made it this far without uh, talking about the pandemic, but but I, that would be the next element of the conversation that I'd want to get into is both maybe building off of when you're thinking about the future of uh, cities, or which you just mentioned, the future of cities changed within the last six months, uh, and the actual experience of you know I live in Brooklyn, the experience of living here has been transformed. It's moved much outside with more social distance. That is a place where we do need people who are able to lean into futuristic thinking and be adaptive and flexible in the models that they apply to solve problems. I'd love to get some of your perspective on really from a design thinking and a leadership position at an art school. Obviously, there's so much to talk about in, in terms of the impact of the pandemic, but any thoughts on how this has been a forcing function, moving us, accelerating change in thinking about education, design, et cetera. So any perspective on that? Yeah, happily. I, I think it, it's interesting to talk about it in terms of kind of short-term response and then long-term projection. And, mm -hmm. and in terms of short-term response, we're a community of, of people who make stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And our educational philosophy is all about the, the, that process of making, of engaging, of, of jumping into a project and creating it, engaging with materials, thinking mm -hmm. it through with your hands, that how how all those pieces fit together to build the kind of project that you want and to solve and the problem that you're trying to solve. And all of a sudden in March of 2020, we have to put everything online. So that was a huge transformation for us. Yeah. But on a kind of metal level, on a kind of higher level, it was fascinating because the school, listen, you gotta, it, it's not so much what, what life deals, what life gives you, it's how you respond. Mm -hmm. So much of our education is so fundamentally about how you respond to problems, how you create, use your imagination and your creative powers to be able to wrestle with a certain issue and solve it. So here we were. Yeah. We were an art design college that needed to solve a problem. So in a way, mm. called on to model the very mm -hmm. thing that we're trying to help our students mm -hmm. understand and develop and, and gain strength in. So that was, was interesting. So 
what happens to the making when they're online? Uh, mm -hmm. How do we help them find ways to continue to do that, even though they're no longer doing it on campus? Yeah. Uh, how do you, so we created things like service bureaus in which students would send in their files and our staff in the sh labs and the shops would be working to produce their work and mm -hmm. they would come to the curb and pick it up. Interesting. Um, yeah. There was a community element of it that we had to respond to. The sort of the loneliness or isolation of working online and, mm -hmm. and how you build community. And we have built hubs internationally, actually, in places mm -hmm. like Beijing and Seoul and Shanghai, mm -hmm. where we have a lot of students. And those are places of meeting, of gathering. Those are mm -hmm. seminars. Those are community building. That's bringing Art Center to them because obviously mm -hmm. our international students aren't able to come yeah. to uh, to the United States. Uh, we've developed a program of studio in a box where faculty mm -hmm. have all kinds of ways of doing demos and working online mm -hmm. with students in, in all kinds of creative ways. We had our photographer at Art Center photograph our models. So usually the model is there in the studio with you and people are doing the sketches and they're learning how to do the drawing and the painting, etc. What happens when you can't do that anymore? So right. we built a library of thousands and thousands of shots of mm -hmm. photographs of our models that mm -hmm. students can now access huh. digitally online. So mm -hmm. anyway, I could go on and on with yeah. all the different examples, but it was needing to re be responsive. It was needing to be creative. Yeah. It was needing to engage with, and the faculty and the chairs and the academic leadership have been fantastic um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. On, on all those levels. So yeah. we're, we're trying to work. I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's still a transition. It yeah. can be tougher for some students than other students. Some take to it, some not so much, but really trying to understand how to create that that life online, that learning online when mm -hmm. you're a, a, an applied school has been a very interesting journey. Yeah. Yeah. Although it is, uh, to your point, like it is a, an opportunity to inspire that fresh thinking there's a real it's problem-based learning like and you can model exactly. for your students and your faculty and everyone here's how i'm going to try to solve this but i'm going to need help it's, it is henry the fifth moment like where uh <laughs> under the breach is that there, there you go and then in addition to all this there's also uh this podcast change lab which i wanted to make sure we talked a little bit uh, about as well because it's been around for some time, and as someone who's who has a podcast that's been around four years, I'd love to get a little more of your perspective on the history of the show, and you're in your, I think it's your seventh seventh season, is that right? Correct. Yeah, right. yeah. so I'd, I'd love to hear more from you about how that connects to your role as a president of the Art Center, but then also what types of shows do you, do you produce, and, and how does it all relate to, to who Lauren Buckman uh, is? It's fundamentally has become, I know this, a very important way in, uh, to expand conversation on important questions that we're facing right now mm -hmm. uh, in our world as a society, in higher education, in the art and design world, all of that. And so fundamentally, it really is about exploring, really trying to expand that conversation in, in nuanced ways. And, yeah. I, I, and although it's a, we're reaching out to the world with the podcast, I, I always have students in mind when we're working on it. It's as it, it fundamentally needs to connect to the educational uh, mission of the institution and for, for students to listen to some of the amazing guests that I've been so fortunate to talk mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Um, that's been wonderful. The, the Art Center mission statement is learn to create influence change. And that last half of it, influence change, is always so interesting to me mm -hmm. because, because we do approach our thinking and we have fundamental to our mission how change is affected through the work of the creative people that we educate, how yeah. it's made in the world. And I 
I'm very quick to say to the students, the radius of influence isn't so important. It's more how you as an individual affect change in the world. They don't all, in other words, they don't all have to be president of General Motors. Right. There can be very profound change one-on-one -on -one. in your work. It's almost like a, the butterfly effect of creative yep. life that mm -hmm. can have ramifications in other places in the world and in other ways or touch people's hearts yeah. in certain kinds of ways that can be very significant. So I'm very interested in, in this notion of change, in the consequences of the creative life and the product of the creative life, mm -hmm. how it does change. And so most of the time I want to explore with these guests, how do they think about these accomplished people how do they think about the change that they've affected in the world? Yeah. How do they think about the transformation that they've created? How does the creative life, the creative mind, the creative endeavors make a difference in the world and touch and move us forward in mm -hmm. positive kinds of ways? Yeah. That, that, that was really what the podcast was all about. And as I, I'm sure you can relate, it's such a gift to be mm -hmm. able to sit down and talk to these thoughtful and engaging people who mm -hmm. are so open and willing and generous with their yeah. thinking and their ideas. It's just been, uh, it's just been such a joy for me, a privilege really. Yeah. To yeah. Through this podcast. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is, a, it's a, it's an inspirational format really even for the, the podcasters themselves, if, if you do it right. But, but also frequently the, the conversations you wind up having, you would not have had you not had a podcast. And then they wind up being some of the more meaningful conversations that you're, you're gonna have, even though they're just moments in time. Right. Um, so yeah, and then, and then part of the transformation uh, that we're going through as a culture now is tied uh, in part to the pandemic and the pandemic response, but it's also tied to uh, an awakening of awareness around access gaps and problems around social justice and equity that that are really bubbling up and then i imagine need some outlets through uh creative endeavor but then also as the the president of an institution that is is leading its students through this change i imagine it's been a very challenging year uh and maybe yet another opportunity to lean in in the way you were describing before but I'd love to get a little more of your perspective. I know that's part of Change Lab. This, this, the seventh season, you've shifted the approach. Change Lab, all guests this year are change makers, artists, designers, leaders, who, who are, all of whom are African-American. And it really is about lifting up those voices and really trying to, again, expand the conversation and understanding mm -hmm. that experience and really trying to honestly engage in conversation that's going to help us wrestle with these incredibly important questions. Yeah. So that's, that's the podcast. And it's interesting, the pandemic and the issues of, of racial equity, et cetera, they, they overlap in all kinds of interesting ways because mm -hmm. the, first of all, the pandemic just on a very certain basis has raised equity issues in terms of who has the technology and the equipment to be able to access our center yes. online and how we've had to be responsive to that as well mm -hmm. and help our students. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also interesting in terms of the future of, of art design education, what stays online, who is it for, who has access to it, can mm -hmm. start working with our financial model to create greater affordability and access and therefore diversify what we're offering. Yep. Um, and to really move from a model of being in a physical place and in, a, in an independent college like art design dependent fundamentally on tuition, which just puts the burden in a very particular place. And yeah. I think we're, we need to be at the end of those days and open up access and affordability in all kinds of mm -hmm. other ways. And we, we're working on a project 
project at Art Center called The Third Horizon, which is a concept I stole from a, a McKinsey paper I read that nice. you know, the, the, first, the first line of, yes. of, of the first horizon is really about yeah. the, the, the fundamental operations, second about making improvements to that. But then there's a third horizon yeah. that looks yeah. at a complete disruption, a complete mm -hmm. change to the business model of being tuition dependent. And for mm -hmm. students, and tuition goes up every year, and students have to come up with it, and they have to yeah. borrow. All of that needs to come to a close. And mm -hmm. it, that in and itself is financially unstable, but there's also equity issues with it that are profound. So yeah, yeah. we're really trying to think about this question of how we mitigate tuition dependency, and therefore how we open up greater access and greater affordability. In mm -hmm. all, and it doesn't just have to be about degree education. It can be yeah. about credentials. It can be about badging. It can be a lot of mm -hmm. different ways in which we work with a much more diverse student body. Yeah, yeah. So we're working on that, but then deep into these questions too, and they're fantastic, and the students are calling for them, and they're really important questions about these challenges to how we think about art and design education, how we think about curriculum, what mm -hmm. we teach, who we teach, how we teach, what it's informed by, the extent to which it's informed by a very strict and narrow European model versus a more diverse uh, multicultural model. Yep. The central element of a design education and art education is about critique and where people uh, present their work and then hear back. And that model works for some, but is not necessarily accommodating mm -hmm. the experience of a greater diverse group of yeah. students. Especially uh, if you factor in uh, neurodiversity too. Some folks are not as comfortable putting themselves forward in the traditional sort of extroverted go-getter student model so i just exactly exactly yeah. and so that becomes a very complicated question for educators mm -hmm. right in terms of do you insist that people conform to that model mm -hmm. traditionally that's been it this is who we are this yeah. is our approach and there's mm -hmm. something to learn from it or is there a different kind of question that you're asking now yeah. a different way of thinking about education a different way of thinking about the individual student and their experience and whether or not that format of critique is really fundamental mm -hmm. i i don't want to be misunderstood as i'm we're not tossing critique out it has a lot of value sure but we do need to complicate the the conversation we need to understand it and i think really taking in these questions that we're facing now as a, as a society, as a world, we need to expand the ways in which we think about that. Mm -hmm. Similarly, like empathy, the developing the empathy muscle, that's, that's been core to design education for quite a long time. It's true. Now I'm saying, empathy for whom? Mm -hmm. Or from whom? Right, how right. might we go beyond the conversation about empathy to understand diverse populations and how mm -hmm. much cultural bias is involved in empathy yeah. and what, what are, how are we de educating our students to think critically about that and how mm -hmm. bias is operating yeah yeah so all of these questions it's it's complicated and it's it is as you point out very tough work mm -hmm. but it's exciting and it's incredibly important and and the model has to evolve this way yeah yeah, I just I'm excited about it, and I'm yeah. glad that we're wrestling with these deeper issues. Yeah, and it's a it's a real pleasure for us to get inside the inner workings of that uh, directorial mind too. As you're wrestling with this stuff, it's we're right there with you, which is awesome. As we're getting close to concluding, what I always love to ask uh, my guests uh, is, outside of everything we talked about so far, what trends or new emerging things have you noticed lately that are capturing your imagination and you want to make sure folks are listening to the show hear a little bit more about so open format but but what's capturing your imagination these days i think i'll say maybe three things one is echoes some of the things we've been talking about but i'm really interested in how 
artists and designers can contribute to the conversation about some of the pressing issues of our world, even you know, pre-pandemic or pre this particular conversation about racial equity and issues of sustainability and climate change. I think I think when we were talking about that a little bit vis-a-vis our urban planning and our life in cities, but I think there's an incredibly important place for artists and designers to engage in that conversation and, and use their creative imaginations to help us understand how we might wrestle with some of those pressing issues. And similarly, how art design, again, relates to these issues, these conversations we're having you know, about race and about how education has to change and how that experience needs to change. Mm-hmm. But maybe the third thing I would simply say that's on my mind, and, and I've just completed a, a, a book on this that'll be coming out in, 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 a, in about a year, mm. is how we know things from making them and what the implications are for how, in that principle for how we live. So mm. the, the basis of the book really explores the fact that we tend to assume that artists and designers have a kind of vision and then their work is the manifestation of that vision. Mm-hmm. But in fact, that can happen sometimes. Michelangelo sees the angel in the stone and then yeah. takes away until he sets it free, right? Yeah, yeah. In fact, most artists and designers don't work that way and they don't talk that way. Mm-hmm for example, novelists are amazing with this. They actually say, I don't really, I go into a place of uncertainty. Mm. I don't know what that novel is going to be about, for example. Mm-hmm. Philip Roth said, I have no clue where my stories are going, where my novels are going. Every sentence a revelation. Mm. It's in the writing, it's in the making of it that the discovery happens. Yes. And Joan Didion uh, some, puts a really interesting twist on that. And she says something, and I'm paraphrasing, I would have no reason to write if I could access my thoughts in any other way. And so then mm. we begin to understand like the making, the creative process, whether it's writing or if it's painting or if it's performing or it's creating music or wh- whatever it might be, that you're both through that making process, understanding what it is you need to make mm. mm-hmm. in a place of uncertainty. Yeah. And as, at the same time, you're accessing a part of yourself. You're getting to know yourself in a certain kind of way through that creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. So let's expand that, I think, to implications for how we live and the model of that process of make to know to who we are as leaders, who we are as educators, mm-hmm. who we are as, as uh, entrepreneurs, as business people, that, mm-hmm. that if we can accept that uncertainty can be an incredibly creative place, if we can accept that going into uncertainty is also a place for a discovery, mm-hmm. then maybe that can speak a little bit to our anxiety of the moment, but also to know that there's a creative part of ourselves that we want to delve into, to mm. know the world and to engage into the world and to understand it. Yeah. Hopefully th- th- that's been big on my mind and hopefully that will, when the book comes out, that will be interesting for people to think about. Yeah, we'd, uh, we'd love to get you back on a- as often as, as possible uh, to have these types of conversations. Uh, a genuine privilege uh, to have Lauren Buckman on the show. Uh, thanks very much for your time, Lauren. Thank you, Mike. It's been a pleasure. And for our listeners, uh, thank you as always for listening. If you like what you're hearing, write us a review, tell your friends. Lauren's show is called Change Lab. It's available anywhere you would uh, listen to podcasts. Also, uh, definitely worth a listen. And uh, thanks as always uh, for listening. listening.